Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, what's going on, guys? Got Tony Finau on the podcast this week. Absolutely one of the nicest guys on the PGA Tour. I think one of the guys, nicest guys in sports. Athlete, so approachable if you compare him to all the other athletes in, in, in different sports. And I know I'm one-sided. Most of cover golf, <laughs> let's be honest. But still, I mean, just Tony is the real deal. Just authentic, great attitude. Uh, he talks about having an attitude of gratitude, you know, where he's come from. Um, overcoming a lot of challenges. Just get to the PGA Tour, right? He, he turned pro at 17. It took him seven-plus years to get on the PGA Tour, go through many tours, Corn Ferry, you name it. And he found a way to get there and grind. And now he's elevated his game. Three wins in 2022. And we get into mentality. And what was it he was able to do to flip the switch and get things going? And uh, I think there's a lot of fun stuff in here. So you get to Tony Finau here on the podcast. I have covered him, been lucky to cover him for about eight years, really since his rookie year at the age of 25 when he came out on the PGA Tour and basically started his career there. Uh, I've been lucky to write for the Salt Lake Tribune and PGATour.com a little bit and, and just really trying to document kind of the landmarks, the big moments, milestones in his career. First Masters 2018, it was a blast to cover that. Uh, of course, he had the ankle incident there at Augusta, but it's been really rewarding just to be get to know him, part of his team, his caddies over the years, and his coach, Boyd Summerhays. It's a lot of fun stuff, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that here in just a second. You will see a story here as well uh, from this interview for Golf Monthly and GolfMonthly.com. That'll come out, I think, in the next month or two. Uh, from this interview, we talk about Augusta National, his love for the course, why he plays so well, a lot of different topics here, but we'll get to it here on Beyond the Clubhouse. All right, I'd like to welcome my next guest, Tony Finau, five-time PGA Tour winner, and he's been on Ryder Cups recently, President's Cups. He's really become a team player, but man, there's so much going on, a huge 2022. Tony, what's going on today? How are you, buddy? Yeah, thanks, Gary. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, hey, it's Christmas season, so I'm curious. You got a big family. Like, what are some of the traditions you guys love about the Christmas season? Yeah, we love, just like anybody else, you know, we love celebrating Christmas. Uh, it's a great time of the year. Um, my kids, just like any other kids, they love, you know, what's uh, what's under the Christmas tree. <laughs> they love uh, seeing what, uh, what presents they might get or if Santa's coming this year. So, um it's it's a lot of fun you know we thanksgiving this year was a little different for us we did it with just our family usually there's about 30 40 of us getting together you know with my siblings and all of our kids uh, yeah. and my dad and things but uh this year we just took it easy it was just my wife and my kids and i and um and it was really cool really intimate it was the first one we had that way and, and that was nice we're going to do uh, christmas the same way it'll just be our family and um but yeah, we love we love Christmas. And I think one of the cooler traditions that we have is that, you know, we eat steak and crab legs on Christmas Eve <laughs> um, at about 8, 9 p.m. So a really late dinner. And then we kind of let that settle in. And then hopefully our kids make it to midnight. Last year, I think they only made it to about 
ten thirty or eleven o'clock, and then and then we did presents at that time. But uh, yeah, that's kind of a family tradition, like steak and crab legs. Um, we kind of just put uh, aluminum foil over our huge table, and we just throw it all on with some rice, and we just <laughs> go to town as a family. Kind of no no forks, no knives, no nothing. We just all hands. And uh, and it's great. It's one of our traditions. And then uh, and then we open presents right around midnight. So um, that's something that we're looking forward to this year as well. Yeah. Nothing like a little surf and turf uh, right before the big day. That's um, right. I, I love you talked about your kids. Family so important to you, Tony. And, and I think about your eldest son, Drace. And you had said that when you won, uh, I think it was Liberty National, um, it, it meant everything to you to be able to share it with your family, but that you think about Drace, your biggest fan, your biggest critic. So it, looking back in the 11, 12 years he's been around, like what, what is the most kind of a most emotional moment you've had with him in sharing uh, a victory or sharing a big moment? Yeah, I think uh, what you're alluding to is, you know, my post-Rama marks when I won in Detroit this year. Um, going back to back, that was pretty cool. I kind of dedicated to my son. Um, yeah, he's my biggest critic, my biggest fan, but uh, he's been my he's been my shadow for all eleven years of his life. You know, pretty much where I go, he goes. I like taking him with me. Um, so he's he's closer to my friend, I think, than uh, than my son. You know, I've grown as a parent, as a father with him. Um, he keeps me young, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm a big. Um, inspiration for him and you know he he definitely keeps me humble though you know when you say he's my biggest critic there's no question about it he critiques every little thing he's watching you know he has pga tour live he's watching my every move whether he's you know in in person or on uh on the phone he's watching he knows every shot so he'll ask me about every shot after i play um but i would say um you know i got quite emotional there in detroit just because you know but going back to back is tough on the pga tour but you know, I thought about my son and him watching me. I thought it was so important for him um, to watch me win, you know, as well as, you know, many times he's seen me come right to the finish line and I get the job done to be able to do it uh, on back-to-back -back weeks. I thought it was really cool for him to witness. And, um, you know, he sees all the hard work that gets put in behind the scenes. And uh, it's cool to, to see him reap the rewards uh, with me because he is my biggest fan and, um, really cool for him to watch that. Right. Well, and the rewards have been in 2022, those three huge wins. And like you said, back to back, I mean, what, I guess going into that, what was the hardest loss or close call to get over, to get you over the hump? Yeah. The toughest loss I've had in my career was definitely the waste management in 2020. I feel like, um, it, it was, it was one of those weeks where it was, you know, it was my week. I was playing well. And I had a great opportunity in front of me. I had a two-shot lead with three holes to go. And uh, Webb ended up birding the last two holes to uh, get into a playoff. And then he birdied the playoff hole. Um, I had a putt in regulation to win. And those are putts that uh, you dream about, you know, hitting a 10, 11-foot putt to win a golf tournament. And, uh, you know, I wasn't able to do it. And then I lost in the playoff, you know, kind of having one hand on the trophy and not being able to get it done. You know, it was on the back of, you know, the week before, you know, Kobe Bryant had just passed away. Um, COVID was a really new thing to all of us, and that was creeping into the picture. This was in 2020, uh, and so a lot of things were going on. I think I was super emotional at that time with the passing of Kobe. There was just a lot going on, and then COVID, the uncertainty of of COVID creeping into the picture right around the same time. Um, and then I had to 
take that loss into our um, 13 week break, you know, our, our, so I didn't have a lot of time to recover, meaning I didn't have weeks right after to dive into and play, you know, the weeks I did play right after was the players championship and that got cut short. Um, That was a tough one to swallow as a a golf tournament that um, I'd love to win. It would have been nice to check that one off. Um, Having, you know, Scottsdale be my second home now. Um, A lot of things were pouring towards um, that being a cool victory. And unfortunately I wasn't able to pull it off, but I would say looking back, you know, that was the toughest, toughest loss, but uh, it's what makes 2022 so special. You know, that win in 21 at the Northern Trust was extremely special. And then I, I think that kind of opened up the uh, the floodgates for me a little bit. And in 22, I was able to show that, uh, you know, some of those losses um, I was able to grow from and and became, a, you know, a three-time winner just this uh, this calendar year. And like you told uh, Boyd Summerhays, your coach on your podcast, you're always learning as long as you guys are sitting down and having takeaways from that. And I think about another thing you said in your podcast around that time was you have an extreme belief that the second PGA Tour win is going to happen. You have an extreme belief it's going to happen occasionally and sooner than later. You know what I mean? Like you really dug deep yeah. and had this back then. I mean, to your credit. And some uh, somebody, Ross Clow on Twitter said, you're such a positive guy, but when the chips are down, they're not falling your way. Is there a process you use? So, I mean, there's two things in a question there, but you see, you see what I'm getting yeah. at? Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, life is ex- life is extremely tough and life isn't fair, you know, but that's the great thing about sports is, and especially in golf, you know, I've learned there's so many parallels with golf and with life, you know, sometimes um, life kicks you down and, um, and nobody's there to help you up. You know, you have to push through on your own. Um, but I've always had an attitude of gratitude, you know, and I, and I feel like that's always carried me through, you know, I, um, this, this is probably going to sound hard to believe, but I've, I've, I've done a lot more in this game, I think, than I ever would have dreamed of, you know, if I really, if I really deep, uh, take a deep dive into, um, my, my, you know, my, my deepest dreams, you know, as a kid, I don't know that I, I would have dreamed really this far. You know, I think I have dreams of winning the Masters um, and those things. But to this point in my career, I feel like because of the hardships that I had to face um, through the way that I just got to the PGA Tour, you know, it took me seven years just to get to the PGA Tour from the time that I turned pro. Um, so, so those seven years were extremely difficult. Um, but I've always had an attitude of gratitude and I always – look at the the cup half full you know i've i've given myself chances to win and i just always look at it as a learning experience and i've never kicked myself so hard towards like you know the life uh life this is the worst thing of all time um i always have a perspective of how great my life is i've been fighting to be a pj tour player for a long time and of course, I have aspirations and, and know that I'm going to accomplish a lot more and I continue to put that work in. But I never forget um, what it took to get me here. And that perspective and that attitude of gratitude always carries me through uh, during the hard times, because I always remember things can be a lot worse. You know, you're in a lot worse position 10 years ago. You know, my problems are a lot different now, you know, than they were uh, 10 10 years ago, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago, my, my problems on the golf course and my life problems are just a lot different. 
Um, and so carrying that perspective with me has always been something that has helped me during hard times. Right. And, and obviously your dad uh, always saying never give up, right? Like those are some of his mantras, right? I'd imagine that uh, Kalepi, that advice from him must have been just, just massive in your formative years, right? Yeah, no doubt. My dad had three rules when we started. Um, he sat us down and, and, and had three rules. The first one was listen. Second one was be serious or be focused. And the third one was never give up. And I would say the one that I took the most serious uh, for sure was uh, never give up. So I, I told myself at a young age that I was going to see this through. I Once I learned to love the game and enjoy the game, that uh, I was going to do everything in my um, in my power to try and make it as far as I can and uh, be the best player and person that I can be. And I'm still trying to do that today. But that, that third rule definitely rings true um, in everything that I do, and especially on the golf course. You know, I try to fight through adversity and um, and it's, you know, for me in, in 2022, it's it's gone my way. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I want to add on top of that, the three wins, you've mentioned that you've always felt mentally strong, always on top of that glass half full. And you felt like once your game matches up with that attitude, you can really, really be a dangerous player. So where do you feel like you're at in that in that diagram right now in that process? Yeah, I'm def my game is definitely matching up um, a lot closer to my mentality and just my um, my uh, mental fortitude, I feel like. You know, I feel like I have the mental strength to win major championships, um, to be um, at some point in my career the best player in the world. That's something that's uh, that's something that I've always tried to chase is at some point in my career being the best player in the world. Um, but my game, I feel like it's starting to match up to some of those aspirations and some of those desires. Um, you know, if I continue to put the work in, um, not only, you know, physically playing golf, but continue to, you know, work on my mind and, know that, you know, the mind is still the strongest, you know, muscle in the body and pushing myself to um, what I can accomplish, you know, hopefully 2023, um, you know, I continue on this streak and, um, and, you know, hopefully in a major way. Right. Well, speaking of 2023, I know that you and coach Boyd Summerhays, you'd like to kind of talk through some big goals going into each season. Like what's kind of some, some aspirations specifically for this year that you're looking at? Yeah, the crazy thing about that, Garrett, you know, last year I, I have a list of goals. Um, just I would say like most PGA Tour players, um, but a lot of my a lot of my goals are more internal than they are external. Um, you know, meaning of course I have goals to you know I think try and win tournaments every year, win a major championship, things to that. But you know, I always try and control the controllables, and that's um, you know for me putting myself in uncomfortable situations, um, whether that's in a workout. Um, and a training session in the gym, uh, that's ice, you know, ice bath, a cold plunge, you know, to me, like always trying to do, do the hard things or things that I can control, you know, and, and sometimes you can't control winning golf tournaments. Um, but you can control your daily attitude and different things like that. So I always try to be me the best way I can as one of my goals. And I would say last year, a big goal of mine, as you alluded to earlier was, sticking with the same uh, putting grip and the same putter for a full season. Right. I was, I was pretty much at the top of my, at the top of my list uh, of goals was, you know, the, the putter has um, been a hot cold. I've had a hot cold relationship with my putter. And I, I told myself for the 2021 and 2022 season, um, you know, let's, let's putt with one putting grip and one putter for a full season. 
and just ride it out. And that's, that's the main goal. And we'll see where it takes us from there. And obviously we saw the results of that, you know, and so that's going to be a goal of mine again this year, you know, let's not mess with what's worked and just keep on grinding, grinding that part out. Yeah. Well, speaking of your putter, um, you've been a top 12 in shots game putting really the last six, seven months. Like what has really worked uh, in terms of your practice or just the way, is there certain drills you've been working on that's kind of gotten up to that level? Yeah. You know, I think the biggest thing is that I believe I'm a great putter, you know, and I think that's, that's a, that's a huge start. You know, that's half the battle is, is do you actually believe that you can make putts when they count? And I've always proved to myself that I can, you know, I've won a lot of golf tournaments in my life. You know, I've, I've only won five on the PGA tour, but I won a lot of times on the mini tours, you know, I won on the corn Ferry tour. I won many state opens, you know, as I traveled through the mini tour, you know, years, I won a lot of tournaments, I won a lot of junior golf tournaments. You can't win a lot of tournaments unless you're a great putter. And so I always just had that belief. I think that's a great start. Um, but yeah, you know, as far as the physical part, we've worked on drills and worked on the hard things. You know, if if I don't feel like I make enough putts from five to seven feet, then I really have to work on that and diagnose it and figure out how do I make more putts from that length? Am I missing putts, you know, going into the stats of it? And that's where a lot of these, um, a lot of the data with the information that we have these days on the PGA Tour, I think that helps. You know, am I missing putts left to right or am I missing the putts that are right to left? You know, I'm uh and and so having those that data to help with my practice has helped me as well and and just doing the hard things in practice you know really paying attention to detail you know i was talking to my my nephew the other day i went and watched his basketball tournament he's an amazing basketball player he's in eighth grade he travels and plays aau and he happened to be in in phoenix arizona playing over the last few days so i was with him and uh and we were talking you know he asked me questions about you know how do you practice how do you get better and what, you know, what do I need to work on and stuff? And, um, you know, he's looking up at me as if like I'm an NBA player or something, but, uh, and, you know, trying to coach him up, play basketball. And I, and I'm not obviously, but, um, I do have, you know, a lot of experience playing basketball, but, um, not at the NBA level, but, you know, just with the experiences that I have in golf, you know, I kind of told him you have to practice the hard things. You know, sometimes we're not willing to practice the hard things because we only want to practice the things that we're good at to make us feel good. You know, if I'm a good ball striker, I'm going to sit on the range for two hours and hit balls because that makes me feel good. That makes me feel like I'm a good golfer. But if you're not a great chipper and you avoid the chipping area, how are you ever going to get better? So I told him all the areas that you struggle with, you know, he missed a couple of free throws down the stretch that and his team ended up losing the game in overtime that could have sealed the game. But I told him, you know, every free throw you shoot now is you're in that position. You have a, you have an opportunity to seal the game for your team. And so practice the hard things, you know, do um, do that in practice. So I only bring that up because that's, you know, that's what I like to do. I, you know, I, I look at myself as a, as a, a great ball striker, um, but I, I try to spend my time on the things that I need to work on, you know, which is putting and short putting. And so I just put a lot more time into the weaknesses of my game um, than I ever have. And without trying to lose the strengths. And that's the hard part, you know, that's the tricky balance, but um that's that's I think the reason why I've I've gotten so much better with my putting as I just put a lot more time in and and the deliberate practice has been a huge part. When you mentioned short putting five to seven feet inside of ten feet, like what specifically has kind of helped you kind of improve in that area? A specific drill or specific way you think over the ball? Yeah, just uh, you know I feel like lining I feel like lining up is extremely important from that length. A longer putt, you have time to manipulate the face a little bit more and. Um, to hit it 
to hit it online, you're taking a bigger stroke. Um, I feel like on shorter putts, the closer you can be aimed to square, the easier, you know, the less can go wrong. Um, and so a lot of it is aiming, aiming and making sure my eyes are, are right. Um, and I'm seeing down the line properly. And that's with either a mirror or lines that I work with I'm on short putts. And, and that's helped me. That's helped me a lot. Right. Well, looking ahead, I mean, got, got a few months, but you did mention that dreams of winning the Masters, of course, like that's just such, been such a passion for you. I think about Augusta, that course, the very first time you set foot on that, I know that you had the ankle issue and we don't got to that, but the Monday, Tuesday, when you were there for the first time, what were you thinking about Tony Fiona, my game and how it's going to match up with this course? Yeah, I, I, I love the golf course and the way that it's set up for my game and the way I see the game. It allows you to swing the club off the tee, meaning, um, you know, the, the tee shots aren't, they're not penalty shots. There's not a lot of hazards there, you know. Uh, number 13 is pretty much the only tee shot you can hit it in a hazard. Um, you know, and then I would say, I think 16, you know, uh, on the par three. Outside of that, there's really no penalty shots at Augusta off the tee. And I, and I like that. I like having the option to, having to escape from the trees. You know, I've always been someone that's great at escaping and um, a great escape artist because I hit in the trees all the time growing up. So <laughs> I was just used to it. Um, but I loved it in that sense. And then I've always been a very creative player, a very visual player. I like working the golf ball. And Augusta has shown that uh, if you can work the golf ball, it's a good thing uh, with all the undulation. And so Augusta allows you to be creative. And then, as I mentioned to you before, I have belief that I'm a great putter. So if, you know, you have to be a great putter to win major championships. And so overall, I looked at the golf course after I played it Monday, Tuesday, the first time I played it. And, and I thought, wow, I think that, I think I can play this golf course um, and ultimately win here. Yeah. Well, and you think about what that course does. You, you talk about just having great vibes around Augusta, right? Anytime you drive down Magnolia Lane, it doesn't matter the state of your game. So you know, what other aspects of, of of the course kind of gives you confidence or just being in Augusta gives you confidence? Yeah, you know, I've, I've played some nice rounds there, but, you know, it's one of those golf courses I think, uh, you know, I've, I've had, I think in four or five starts, you know, I've had like three top tens, you know, I think that's a pretty solid, um, solid go around that place, you know, for, for five starts. And, and yeah. so I think I just have that confidence. But overall, I think the golf course fits my game and um, the golf course looks good to me, which is a big, a big thing for my eyes as well. And, um, and again, I think my my game, um, a lot of my strengths are great strengths to have around Augusta National. And so um, it's just one of those places. It's a magical place. You know, for me, it's it's basically the Disney World of golf. You know, once I get there, it's I'm a kid at a candy store and um, and it's really, really cool to always have the opportunity to or any year I have the opportunity to play the Masters. So, you know, the cool thing is I played my way into it again this this coming season. And um, it's definitely something I don't take for granted. You know, I um, the biggest, I think the biggest reason everybody wants to win there is because they want to be a part of the champion's locker room. You know, they want to be on the locker room with the, you know, with Jack, <laughs> Tiger, and, um, and Gary Player and all these greats of our game um, that I've ever played. You want your name in that same locker room. And you want the opportunity, you want the invitation to come back there every year, you know, as, as something that would be an extreme honor. So um, that alone, I think, is uh, is probably the biggest reason I, I want to win as well. And the dreams of win, winning the Masters, they go back, I know, watching with, with your with your brother Gipper over the years. But like, does it go back to an age 
seven when you started playing golf? Like what age? Yeah, age seven. That was the first time I ever watched the 97 Masters. And at that time, I wasn't actually playing golf. I was, um, I happened to be in the in living room with my dad and my brother, and they had it on. My brother had been playing golf. And my dad was already teaching him at that time. And um, I would definitely say Tiger nudged me that direction. Um, you know, my brother has uh, was already playing again. And, and so then I was like, you know what, maybe I should try this golf thing. But the 97 Masters um, was a huge um, life changer for me. You know, I was able to see Tiger and just the whole aura of it. You know, I don't know if it was the piano music or, uh, or what it was, Jim Nance voice or the red and black or the green, you know, lush green of Augusta National. Maybe it was all of it, but, um, you know, that, that was a huge inspiration for me to, um, I was inspired to play the game and, and, you know, follow my brother and follow Tiger and on this journey, like golf journey I started, but the 97 masters was, was huge. Yeah. And that being a major championship, of course, like what do you feel is the next step for you as you pursue major championships and really are hungry to, to win one as, as you talk about? Yeah, you know, the the great thing is, you know, I have um, four major championships that I know I'm qualified for this year. And so I'll have four opportunities to win a major championship. And that's always the that's always the goal. You know, for me, uh, I truly believe that that's that's a the next step for me in my golfing career um, to really uh, put my name amongst the greats in our game right now, you know, which is all I can do. Um, but, you know, to me, my major focus is the major championships, um, you know, and the players championship, you know, the way I see the players championship, if you won the players championship, in my mind, you've won a major championship, you know, it's, I think it's that prestigious of a tournament. So um, for those five events, I think, uh, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm prepared and both mentally and physically and, and come what may. Right. Well, an another big event, uh, the Ryder Cup, is something you're so passionate about. You were called the mayor of Sheboygan <laughs> by Captain Steve Stricker uh, back two years ago or whatever it was. Um, but but I'm curious, when you think of Ryder Cup dynamics, right, and you think of typically you're going against Rory McIlroy, right, or, or John Rahm, right? Typically in that scenario, you're against them. But now from the changes that have happened in 2022 on the PGA Tour and you're now kind of in the same room with them, like at Delaware, for example, with Rom, with with Rory. What is that dynamic like with with, with those guys? You know what I mean? Like you guys are kind of like brothers in arms almost. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a great. I think there's just a great sense of respect, you know, for um, your competitors, and especially at that level. You know, I think um, you know I respect anybody that even dares to play this game at a high level. You know, um, but guys that have actually accomplished a lot. Um, and are you know just great great guys you know i just have a lot of respect for it and i would say it's vice versa um you know but it's really cool to to be able to tee it against you know rambo and rory and these greats of our game um you know week in and week out and you know speaking on that that's you know that's another cool part about this new upcoming season is we're going to have that opportunity to play against each other a lot more um but just going back to your question the Ryder cup is extremely special it kind of stands alone um, as far as, uh, competitions in golf, it's, it's, you know, it's the best team golf event we have so much great history and, uh, you know, I'll try and I'm, I'm going to try my best to make that team in Rome and, um, and represent the U S again. Yeah. Uh, two more quick ones and I'll get you out of here. Um, John Rahm, I, I know he said that when you beat him in a playoff at uh, Northern Trust, he said, man, if, if, if Tony's such a nice guy. If you got a problem with him, that's more of a you problem, not a Tony problem. So I'm just <laughs> curious, in getting to know John over, over these years, is there a moment or or, or something about him that, uh, that that really has impressed you? 
Yeah, he's a great he's a great dude. You know, I got to know him. You know, we're both members of the Silverleaf Club in Scottsdale, Arizona, and so we get to play with each other and see each other quite a bit um, on off weeks. Um, and he's just a good dude. You know, he's a great father. He loves being a father. He's a great husband to his wife Kelly. They have a great family. We've gotten to know him and Kelly very well. Um, they're just great people, you know. And then once you add his golfing prowess to that and what he can do to a golf ball and on a golf course. Um, it's a heck, it's a deadly combo, you know. He's definitely very fiery. Um, you know, we've had some matches where things have got intense and uh, and things, but uh, he's just a fiery. He's just a fiery competitor. Um, I respect the heck out of him. Um, he's he's one of my closest friends on the tour, maybe my closest friend, just because of the amount of time that we see each other and spend together. Um, but it's been really cool to get to know him, get to practice with him. I think it's helped my game. Uh, hopefully he can say the same. Um, you know, my coach always likes to say iron sharpens iron. And I definitely <laughs> feel that way when it comes to um, being able to practice and play with uh, with John Rahm. But he's a heck of a dude, and someone I respect just a lot. I respect his um, values, his opinion, and just um, how good of a dude and how good of a golfer he is. Yeah. And, and finish on this, you, Tony Finau Foundation, you, you're always about inspiring, inspire somebody. Um, just talk about like how special that is to have really given back here over the years in the foundation. Yeah, I think that's what it's all about. Um, you know, if I had to, if I had to sum life up into one word that it means and what it means, you know, I would say it's charity. And, you know, charity to me is, uh, to me means the pure love of Jesus Christ and that's giving and that's service and that's the holidays. That's what the holidays are all about. You know, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. But um, I, I show that through my, you know, one way I show that is through my foundation. I think it's a great way to inspire other people um, to give of their time and their resources to helping others in need. And, and that's what I try to do with the Tony Fina foundation. And, you know, we're, we've announced that, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to be breaking ground on our, learning center pretty soon and that's something that i think is going to be extremely exciting and another way that we can uh, just con i can continue to give back to the community that's i feel like giving me so much um and those that are just a lot less privileged and a lot less fortunate than i've been in my life but uh yeah it's really it's really cool what uh what we have going on and we've helped uh, a lot of kids uh through the years which is to me a lot more satisfying than anything i can i can really accomplish on the golf course Great, Tony. Always appreciate your time, buddy. And thanks for joining me here on, on the podcast. Thanks, Garrett. Talk soon, man. All right. My thanks to Tony Fina for jumping on the podcast. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought he was, he was, like I said, authentic, easy, approachable, open book. Really enjoyed the chat there with Tony. So good luck to him for 2023. And we'll talk to you soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse.